Join me, would you please, in Philippians 3, verse 17. Now, we've been on verse 1 and 2, and suddenly we're on verse 17. We're moving quite quickly through the chapter, aren't we? I have uh, purposely given you the filler, the middle of this, the first sermon or two, so that uh, we can go directly to the commands. There are four of them that we are studying, and they kind of outline the book, and they actually surround the book. The first two commands are in the first two verses. The second two commands are in verse 17. So we will look at verse 17 today and look at the first command here, and then on to the second one in two weeks. In two weeks. But let me remind you of what we're studying here. Our caption, our understanding of the whole study is more Christ. Based on Paul's mentality, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die, gain. Gain, and that's more, more of it. So to him, to go to be with the Lord meant more him. That's what he looked forward to. More Christ. And he didn't leave this as just a testimony in Philippians chapter 3 for us to stand back and say, wow, that's pretty cool. Let's make a statue of this guy. Let's, let's name a town after this man or something like that. He says in the book, join me. Join me. He doesn't want to run this race alone. He, that's his appeal that uh, this isn't only for him, this is for all of us. And I hope that as we study here, we might uh, also grow in our desire for more Christ. Now, when you boil down the Christian life as far as um, the simple parts of it, anything is, there's nothing simple. You could go deep in anything you want to study. But we go down to essentials, and that is, you must have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone to save you. He is the one who died on the cross for your sins. And you can't pay for him, but he did. And you have to trust him. That's called faith. And so we know that's true. We also know that we need a steady diet of his word. That's what teaches us. That's what feeds us. That's our food as the Christian life is concerned. And that's what we do here on Sundays. That's why our church is here. It's because we are a Bible church. We want to learn God's word. So we can do it. And so we're very careful to make sure that that gets highlighted in our ministry is that we are teaching God's word. And the third thing we need to do is become. Become more like Christ. And that's our command for today, verse number 17. Verse number 17, brethren, he says, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Heavenly Father, help us today in our study to understand more of what you have called us to do and be and challenge us thoroughly with it, we pray, Lord, that our hearts are restless unless they are following hard after you. Pray that you open our eyes to this today. If we need that or encourage us along the way, if we're getting tired, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, our first command in verse number one. (coughs) Sorry. Keep on being joyful. Verse number two, keep on bewaring. We talked about the dogs. We did that for several weeks here. Verse number 17, keep on becoming 
That's our word for today. In two weeks, it should be keep on beholding if we stay true to that. And I have to keep an eye on the clock today, too. If you read from verse number 17 in a King James Version, I know several of you carry that with you. It reads, brethren, be followers together with me or of me. Be followers together of me. This little command we're going to look at, uh, I have to say something about this. You ready? This is important. There are four commands in this chapter, and that's what we're emphasizing, so we know what we're supposed to be doing. They are not multiple choice. Don't say, I like three, and I like maybe one, and I'll take those two. They're not multiple choice. You're not to rank them according to importance. The first one is not more important than the third one. Alright? They are not suggestions. They're not based on fads or the newest idea or the newest program or some famous person just put this out as something, you know, novel for our day. They're not suggestions. They are not optional. Underscore that in your thinking as a believer. These are not optional commands for us. We're not to say, well, you know, that's for everybody else, but I, I'm not sure I like this one. I don't like the flavor of it. <laughs> we will add this command today, number three, but we add this at the same time the other commands are supposed to be operating too. In other words, do not stop being joyful because you have to beware. And do not put a stop to either being joyful or bewaring because you're supposed to be becoming. You're going to say, but I could only do one thing at a time here. This is a lot of activity. I know it. But isn't that the nature of God's Word? He stretches us beyond what we're able. And you say, then why does He do this? Because He gives you another principle in Philippians to know too. And you probably already do. It's from verse 13 of chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, don't sit back and say, uh, this, is, this isn't possible. It is possible in Christ. Is it possible for you to do it on your own strength? No. That's the whole point. We need more Christ, don't we? We need more and more and more. And the more you get into the depth of what He's called you to be, the more you realize it's absolutely indispensable that you grow in Him. You must grow in Him. So this command is actually circling back to the very beginning. And the idea is we need more Christ. We need more Christ. We saw that in the first two commands alone. Because our rejoicing is in the Lord. And our bewaring is to watch out for those things that will prevent us from desiring more of Christ. And that's what we've seen so far. And so don't stop doing that. Don't stop doing that. But let's add this next command, and it's very important we understand it, that we add it to what we're to do. I'm going to play a little Greek here today, okay? You don't mind, I hope? Some of you have had some fun with me. Uh, we've been working on some Greek classes on Thursday night up to about a month ago, but uh, 
Uh, it's an awful lot of fun. My son called me the other night, Friday night, I think it was. Uh, he called, he says, so what are you doing? I was sitting at my office chair. I was translating Greek sentences. I said, I'm just playing with a little Greek. He says, well, anybody else I call and say that, I'd laugh at him. But I know that's what you're doing. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, I've just played with a little Greek. But I, I, I don't do this. Understand, when I do this, I don't do this to impress or anything like that. It's just God gave me a, a tool I want to share with you because this is really exciting to me. And I hope it is to you. And I want to communicate it well, please. This is what my heart's desire is. So when I look at this verse and I translate it, it says, Brothers, keep on becoming co-imitators of me. That's the phrase we're looking at, literally from the Greek translation. Brothers, keep on becoming co-imitators of me. Now, we always do this when we're working through sentences, so I'm going to do it with you too. I always ask, what is the subject first? We always have to identify the subject, and it's right there at the start. Brethren, it's right there in front of you. Brothers, in this context, we're talking about Christians, literally the Christian believers in Philippi, but we don't have an issue with pulling from that application for ourselves today from this context. And we won't spend the whole time explaining why we can. We just do it. When we read God's Word, it comes right to our hearts, doesn't it? So, understand, this context fits us too. Um, God has given this New Testament to us to take personally. He wants you to. He wants you to read it and say, yes, yes, that's for me. Not That was for some guy in Philippi back in the 60s A.D. He wants you to take it personally. And there's a, a great concern here, really. What we're about to read, we do not place upon unbelievers to adhere to it. This is written to believers. We're going to talk about conforming to the image of Christ. And we shouldn't expect that or require that of a non-believing world. That might surprise you, but that's reality. Because it'd be nice if the whole world would act like Jesus. Wouldn't you like to live there? But first they must come to know him as their Savior. They have to understand him as their Savior and Lord before they could ever start obeying him. You see... All that said, we're addressing Christians here in this passage. So if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, get your ears ready because it's coming your way. Brothers, he starts with. That's the subject. That's, who's he, uh, that's who he is addressing. And it's in the plural. So it's not just one person in the congregation. The, even the command is in the plural, uh, plural. So that means nobody is excluded here. Nobody. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this passage is coming your way. It's very important that we start that way. And as we break down all the very parts of this, understand, all believers are under this command. There's nobody designed as elite that only follow this and nobody else can have it. Um, It's for the whole church. Okay? That's where we start. Let's look at the verb. In the King James, it says, be... Followers together with me. Be. That's a simple little verb, isn't it? If you're looking at a New American Standard Version, you just say, see the words, join in 
following my example. They don't even have the B translated here. But it is there. It is there. The word is ginomai. It's a fun little word in the Greek. I'll tell you why it's so fun. Because there are two Greek words for being. And this shouldn't surprise you too much. Because the first one has to do with existence. You are. I am. He, she, it is. That's the first kind. It's talking about your existence. There's a second B that has to show a process of what you're becoming. What you're becoming. And I'm going to show you the difference, and it's going to be really easy to see. Keep your bookmark here. Go back to John chapter 1 for a minute. The Gospel of John. John chapter 1. Let's go to that very challenging section in verse number 1. All the way up to verse, well, verse 1, and then we're going to jump to verse 14. I want to show you a difference here, and I think it's worth your time. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the be verb for existence, and it's all in the past tense, isn't it? Was, 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 was. In the beginning was the Word. Now, if you go to John's message and see what he just said, he goes all the way back to the beginning, even before there is a beginning. And what do you find? The Word, Jesus, which we're going to understand that later, but the Word, Jesus, already existed. That's powerful. Even before there was an earth, Jesus existed. He didn't become. He was. That's powerful. And it adds something else. And Jesus, the Word, existed with God. He was with God. He didn't just show up someday at the door and say, here I am. He was with God. That's pretty potent. And it says, He was God. He didn't come to be God. He was existing as God. So Jesus Christ, the Word, was God. All right? Now, that doesn't mean He's not now. <laughs> but that's the nature of the way He started the sentence. Understanding that Word, He's talking about the identity here, who He was. He existed. Use that phrase all the way through here. In the beginning existed the Word, and the Word existed with God, and the Word existed as God. Okay? That's the first B. Now, when you get to the word ginomai, the second B, you get it in verse 14. And the word became flesh. Became flesh. Here's a different word. Ginomai means, I am going to assume the appearance of something. I'm going to assume the character of something. I'm going to take it on myself. I'm going to become that. And what it's saying in verse 14 is the same word that's always existed became flesh. Because he wasn't always flesh. When he became a baby, that's when he took on flesh. He assumed the appearance of flesh. He wasn't always a man. But he became a man. He assumed the character of a man. That was something he wasn't before. Is that 
pretty cool stuff, huh? Those are the two B verbs side by side. Same contact, same person. You can be something and you can become something. When Paul pulls out this word back in Philippians, he uses the become verb when he's talking to believers. Because you already exist as those who belong to Jesus Christ through faith in him. You already belong there. And by the way, you go further into that truth and you'll find out that you shall be like him for you shall see him as he is. So that's our theology. We rest on that. and That's so cool. But in the meantime, we are becoming. Down here on earth, we're becoming. We're becoming what? Well, we're becoming to be like Him. We're taking on the appearance of Him. We're taking on the characteristics of Him because that's something that you at one time were not. That's the beauty of this word. At one time, you did not have this. But now you do. It's not what you used to be, but it is what you ought to be. That's why it's a command. It's what you ought to be. It's an imperative. It's not optional. It's not suggestive. It's not a subject for opinions or anything like that. It's written to believers. No one accepted. No one exempted. No one excluded. Everyone expected to obey. That doesn't happen without effort. It doesn't just accidentally fall on you. Wouldn't it be great? Unconsciously, you become like Christ. Maybe some sort of app you could put on your pillow at night and it changes you through the night or something like that. That's why this is a command because guess what? Our, our spiritual, whatever you want to call this within us, still fight. We fight. We fight against those things that are not according to the way we're naturally designed. We're unbelievers before. We were lost in our death, in our sins. We were not like Christ at all. Uh, we had no hope. We had no strength. We were dead, Scripture says. And suddenly we're alive in Christ. And you say, piece of cake, right? No, it's not. Because that goes everything against the nature of this world, the nature of the flesh, the nature of our enemy, the devil himself. You're going upstream. You're going against the current. You're not walking according to this world. You're walking according to the Word of God. That's different. That is not easy. Have you ever noticed that? Boy, the temptation is to let's not do it. That's why God gives you a command. He says, because I know you. You're not likely to do this on your own ambition. You should hear what I say and follow through because that is what I tell you to do. It is a command. Oh, by the way, you want it stronger than that? It's a present command. Present tense means keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Keep on doing it. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't rest. Don't reach a plateau and say, I'm comfortable here, Lord, just be satisfied with this. (laughs) He's not. He's going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. The command is continuous in nature. Keep on becoming. Keep on taking the appearance of something you weren't before. 
Keep on assuming the character of something you weren't before. Don't quit. Don't stop. Even when it seems hard, don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. This chapter is not for the fainted heart, is it? This is one of those chapters that challenges you to keep on moving. You know, for some of you, you've been reading through your Bible for a year. We talk about that on Wednesday nights. That's our goal as a group, Wednesday night. We're, we're kind of there, sort of, maybe. We'll see. But uh, we're working on it. But you know, if you've been reading through the Bible at any time you tried to do it through the year, right around March or April, there's something there that just kind of like, oh, it's like concrete shoes. It's called Leviticus in Deuteronomy. And it's like, whoa, this is hard to push through. But if you push through, you're glad you did. That sometimes is a challenge. This chapter, chapter 3, is going to stretch you far beyond you've ever been stretched in your Christian walk. Because it's about being like Christ. And that's the push that the Lord gives to us. And it doesn't come accidentally. It doesn't do that. Our kids used to play with dress-up clothes. They'd go up in the attic of Grandma's house and put on funny hats and scarves and wigs and things like that. And they'd come down and they'd have a whole new character look to them. You know what? Those things didn't just fall out of the sky and land on them. They put them on on purpose. And how many times in Scripture do we see those kind of commands? Put it on, put it on, put it on, put it on. So when you cross this verse, this command, keep on becoming, understand that you're going to have to fight to do it in that regard. You're going to be fighting against your own desires. You're going to be fighting against what this world wants you to do. You're going to be fighting against all kinds of different things that will tell you, no, stop, you've done enough, you've done pretty good, you're better than the next guy, so don't worry about it. Because the appeal in this passage is to be like Christ. More Christ. More Christ. And the deeper that goes, the more your own flesh will resist it. That's just true. This will stretch you the most. You know what's nice about it, though? Number one, it's assuming something. Because a present tense assumes you're already doing it. I kind of like that flavor. It says, oh, you're already becoming. Well, good. He doesn't yell, become. He says, keep on becoming. The implication is you're already in the process. Do you know it? Do you know that? You are in the process right now of becoming like Christ. Are you putting effort into it? That's what he says. Number one, you're already in that. You're already in that. You're in that race already. You're already there. But what's also nice about it, when he says keep on becoming, it gives room for growth. It gives room for the growth. This is a growth verse. As you're becoming, you are assuming a new appearance. You're assuming a new character. It'd be nice if it was instantaneous, but it isn't. This is under the whole banner we call discipleship. You're growing. You're growing. You're becoming a disciple. You're becoming like your master. You're learning from Christ so you could be like him. 
you're learning. That's where we all are. That's where we all are. We're all as Christians to be keep to keep on becoming. Becoming what? Got to go back to our text. Becoming what? Well, here's what's interesting. It says followers together in the King James. I kind of like the way that says that. Followers together. This is this is this is an interesting setup of the Greek construction. And let me try to say it this way. I'll make it as simple as I can. You got a subject here. You got the verb, the be verb in the middle, and the thing on the other side is usually a direct object. You grammars people know that. What's on the other side is the subject again. We call it a predicate nominative in grammar. And what that simply means is what is on this side of the be verb should match what's on the other side. And suddenly it goes, oh, (laughs) because the brothers on one side are supposed to be the followers on the other that is supposed to, it's almost like an equal sign in between them. That's what you're supposed to look like. All right? In case you always wonder, well, what am I supposed to be? You're supposed to be a follower. A follower. A follower. That's why he's called us to be. And because he says it in this way, the believer and the follower are the same person. That's the doctrine of it. The question is, are we? That's where it gets personal and gets uncomfortable. Because I could read it in Greek, but I could ask the question, am I doing it? The very fact that they are equated, believers, brethren, and followers are the same people, it means there's no wiggle room to get out of this command. There's no place for me to go to get out from the expectation that I'm supposed to be a follower. A follower Together. Here's another word to add to this. Because we are told to be mimickers. That's the Greek word here. A mimicker. Somebody who impersonates one. Somebody who copies one. That's the idea of following something. And yet we're to do it together. Together. If you miss that word, you miss the the essence of what he's saying here. We're not just solely going out and making copies individually. But we're supposed to be doing it how? Together. Together. That's the, that's the beauty of it. Because many times when I look at the Christian life and I try to picture it, and I say, well, you know, there's all kinds of different growth uh, appearances in a congregation. Some people are really young in their faith. Some people have been followers of the Lord for a long time. Some are really deep in their understanding of the Lord, even though they may not have been followers for a long time. There's different maturity levels, different appearances. And it's interesting to watch that, because we're all supposed to be of the same image, the image of Christ. We're all aiming for the same thing, aren't we? But we're at different levels of it. Several years ago, quite a few years ago, um, if I could pick on you, Megan, just for a minute. I'm not really picking on her. Actually, I'm very proud of what she's done. She, she, she drew a picture for me, and it's in my office uh, as well. She was doing this in school, and I got this email, and it had this picture on it. 
And it had uh, uh, just a couple of things, like an eye and a nose and a mouth. And she says, who's this? And I'm thinking, I have no idea. I have no idea who this is. And several minutes by, went by, and the next appearance was the same picture, but it had hair. And it was, who's this? No idea. And then the next picture came by, and, and there's, there's uh, uh, suddenly there's a mustache on the face. I said, whoa, this is incredible. I was watching her draw Teddy Roosevelt. And the impression is really cool, because suddenly the glasses were on his face and the mustache and the whole thing. I said, oh, I know who that is. But along the levels of it, the appearance wasn't exactly something that caught my attention. Like the eyes, the ears, the hair didn't catch me. But there were certain characteristics that started to show up. I said, oh, that's Teddy Roosevelt. Suddenly I got the picture. In a Christian congregation, we have some people who are just eyes, and some are just ears, and some just have the hair. Some wish they had the hair. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we have different levels. But some of us look more like Christ than the others. But here's the beauty of this. We are all in this together. We're all growing to be like Christ together. The final picture for you should be the same as for me. Right? That's what we're becoming together. Together. That's what we're doing. Because this is not competition. This is cooperation. That we're working this together. The best thing you can do, folks, for everybody else in this church, is to be more like Christ. Do you know that? The best thing you can do for this church body is to be more like Christ. And another thing that you can do is help others to become like Christ, too. That's what we're called to do. That's why we need each other. That's why I encourage you along this line. That's why I constantly seem to take you to Ephesians 4, where it tells us that he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ in his fullness. We aren't to be children anymore. No longer tossed here and there by every wind and every doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and by deceitful plotting. We're to speak the truth in love and grow up in all things into him who is our head, Jesus Christ. And from whom the whole body, that's all of us, the whole body joined and knit together by what every single joint supplies according to the effective working, and when every single part does its share, it causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. That's what we should be passionate about. That your growth in Christ is important to me. And my growth in Christ is important to you. Because we're doing it together. You see the command? Becoming this together. Imitators together. Okay, we got to ask one more question. And that's simple. Imitators of who? I know our first answer is Jesus. 
Go back to chapter 3, verse 17, and tell me, imitators of who? Paul! What audacity! Paul! What are you doing? What do you mean? Be imitators of me. Well, he's talking about something very specific here. He has set examples for us. He has set an example for us. The context is yelling it at you. So is your pastor at times. What does Paul want you to do? He wants you to think more Christ. That's what he wants. He says, here's my testimony. This is the way I am. Whatever things were gained to me, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Yes, indeed, I count all things as loss. For the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, he says, that I might gain Christ. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is through the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. I want the righteousness which is from God by faith. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death so that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained it, he says. Not that I'm already perfect, but I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on so I can lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus had laid hold of me. I don't consider myself as one who has apprehended it yet. But this one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to forget what those things which are behind. I'm going to reach forward to those things that are ahead. I'm going to press toward that goal, which is the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, guess what? Join me. Be imitators of me in this. I am not done. So you do it. He says, I'm still running. Be fellow learners with me. Co-imitators with me. Join in. Join in. Run together with me. It's kind of funny the way he says all that, isn't it? Matter of fact, when you get to verse 15 and 16, he says, and if you think something else, I hope God makes you aware of it. <laughs> he says that so clearly in the things. He says, if you don't think like this, God will uncover it for you. God will show you. I want you to keep in step. I want you to run with me. Don't get out of line. Keep up, keep up, keep up, keep up. Let's be fellow learners together. Let's be comers together. Let's be that way. Let's all together, all the time, keep on becoming like Christ. You see his passion? Pastors love these verses. Because this is the, the heartbeat of the growing Christian. When we stop becoming, we're not doing anything. We're not going anywhere. We have to have a goal before us. Our goal is Christ, is it not? More Christ. More Christ. Let's keep going that way. Let's become together. Okay? That's the appeal of the passage. I didn't think I'd get through all that. But that's just to warm me up. Because guess what you're going to do on your way home? Start becoming. And keep becoming. 
spend time in the Word, would you please? If you're not one who's likely to open up your Bible on Monday, open it up. Start reading. Because you don't become like Him unless you know Him. You have to learn of your Savior. Grow, grow, grow. Let's do it together, okay? Heavenly Father, help us with this. Help us with this. There's an essential and even an urgent nature to it. Our world is screaming so many things to us to keep us from becoming like Christ. We have examples set before us. Men and women who have run the race, some are still running it now. Some who are setting a good pace for us. Help us to see the need for us to become. Follow in with their steps too, as we all become like Christ. Let us see the value of each other in this role. That my growth is dependent on their growth and theirs on mine as we grow together to be like Jesus. Someday, Lord Jesus, you will come for us. Someday we shall see you as you are. What a day that will be. But it also says, and we shall be like you, for we shall see you as you are. I look forward to that day, Lord. I look forward to the completion of the process. But give us the strength to do it today. To keep running, even when it's hard. Even when we're tired. To keep running. To not stop. To keep becoming, becoming, becoming. Give it as as our ambition as well, so that we can follow the mind of Paul here, so that we would have an appetite for Christ and Christ alone. Do that in each of our lives, we pray today. Help us to grow, we pray, as a congregation in becoming like Jesus. For it's in his name we pray, and whose name we trust, and in whose name we find our strength, the name of Jesus. Amen.